Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR analytics dashboard that's helping all of you HR and people leaders out there bring all your data from all your different and disconnected HR systems into one streamlined, real-time, centralized HR analytics dashboard. That's right. No more pulling together messy spreadsheets and trying to figure out how to build pivot tables. Now you can have all your metrics in one place so you can have one source of truth to be able to view, share, track, and analyze all your most important HR data from one place. Want to learn more? Please go to EmployeeCycle.com. Check us out. We'd love to give you a demo to figure out how we can partner to help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. That's enough about me and the company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Nicole Devine. She's the HR Consultant Director at BPO Advisory Group. And today we're going to discuss how your employer brand can increase your business valuation. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Wow, thank you for that warm welcome, Bruce. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, the audience heard that you were coming and they got so excited. I had to calm them down. (laughs) They can't control themselves. I appreciate that. So, Nicole, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? So I think my story is probably not unlike others in that I started as a business major uh, in college and took my first accounting class and said, nope, we're not headed in that direction. So I loved all things business. And I come from a family who's um, pretty into business cycles and Um, My father was a big executive, so he had a lot of initial influence, and he really saw my ability to have a passion for people and a passion for business, and he thought it had a natural connection. And so he really was the first person to recommend the human resources field. And so right out of college, I was connected with one of his business associates, and they put me right in department of one, um, you know, a Jack of all trades, master of none, a true HR generalist from the start. And I was fortunate to have a great leadership team who really taught me a ton about the human resources field. So that's how I initially got started. That's awesome. I always think that HR is the perfect blend of people and business. So it seems like you're right at home and we can't be happier that you are part of the community. So Nicole, you have this notion that the employer brand can increase your business valuation, which I think is a really fascinating topic. But before we go into into the connection between the two, I want to ask you, what does employer brand mean to you? Because it's such a ubiquitous term for so many people. Before we talk about the connection, let's level set and really define employer brand. Yeah, so um, that's a great question, Bruce. I appreciate um, just sort of the table set out the gate. So an employer brand to me really sort of ties the thread from the moment we reach out to 
uh, an employee, a candidate, um, all the way through the life cycle of the employee, all the way through offboarding. And the brand itself is whether employers think they have one or not with intention, an employer already has a brand. It's not different than the brand they have um, in terms of theory and strategy uh, of their own company brand, whether that be a product that they're putting out into the world or a service or what have you. So um, the brand itself from an employment standpoint is what is the perspective? How does it make you feel to be an employee? How does the brand relate into um, everything that we do that ties back to our strategy of your experience of how you feel about when you work with us from the moment we've reached out to you all the way through your tenure with us as an employer? And so we really go above and beyond when we work with different clients. As a consultant, we have the luxury of seeing a bunch of different industries, size, business models, etc. And every employment brand is different. So at PBO, our employment brand, to give you a quick example, is we really focus on our brand for employment being about of aligning ourselves with the values of those who also value building communities through small to mid-sized market companies so that we can make a better place for our community to live. Um, we also do that through uh, some philanthropy efforts. So we really align ourselves with employees who have that value set also um, in the community. And so there are uh, quite a few things that we do within our employment brand um, and, our, and how our value propositions are um, set based on that strategy that we offer to our employees, again, from the moment we reach out all the way through the time you, you exit with us. Thanks for sharing that. And as I was listening to your description of your employer brand, especially when you were talking about things like helping small and medium companies, it almost sounds like there's a lot of overlap between the value proposition of what you do as a company and the product or service you provide, but then also the employer brand perspective in regards to why people would be attracted to do the work based off of who you're doing the work for and the thing that you're providing them. So how much overlap is there typically between your employer brand and your company brand? And are they almost the same or are they totally different? Well, I think it depends on the industry you're in. So they often align and they should align with the value propositions from an employer perspective of what you're offering your employees. So for instance, even though this is not a small to mid-sized market example, one can look at somebody from Disneyland when whether you're an employee with Disneyland or whether or not you're actually the consumer that they're providing the service and this uh, experience for um, really should come tie back into working for the happiest place on earth. Um, and then also when you're at Disneyland or whatever product or service that they provide, the feeling it emotes when you think about their brand is, wow, that was the happiest place on earth, the best experience I've had. That really sort of emotes, that's a solid brand. And so the same should truth, truthfully align with the employment, so to speak, um, with the branding strategy of you want your employees to have that same experience. And where those two things synergistically cross over is where the values are as a company. So what the value set is for the company to the employee should be the same value set from a brand perspective of whatever service um, or product that you're offering to your consumer. Got it. Okay, so now I want to flip this to the other side of what we're going to talk about today, and that's business valuation. 
in this world of startups and M&A and stock market and cryptocurrency and all of this <laughs> stuff that people are reading about and listening to, we're always thinking about buy low, sell high and all these things about how market caps and who's this and the first trillion dollar company and all of this stuff. What does business valuation really mean when you really get down to it? So really for me, um, and from an HR strategic standpoint, for us, the valuation ultimately, again, depending on the transaction that's actually about to happen, right? Are you being acquired? Are you looking to strategically align? Are you completely exiting? Is there a buyout option? A lot of those things sort of play into that component. And so the business valuation itself really means ultimately how are you able to build the best um, valuation, financial and otherwise, for exit and or acquisition? So, and that sounds very simplistic when I say it that way, but a true business valuation has a lot of things that are considered when you're talking about the, uh, the transaction, the transaction from a buyer perspective. So they're looking at things like strategy, um, your ability to have succession planning. They're looking at the business valuation from a perspective um, from how well documented are your processes and even your data, for instance, um, something you know, a space you know well, of evaluating and building value of why they're purchasing what they're purchasing. And so as much um, track history, as much uh, strategy and examples of execution, appropriate execution and implementation of that strategy that you can show to build value to the buyer. That is really how you build true valuation. And a lot of companies position about a year prior to wanting to exit. And the truth is, is buyers really are looking for a much longer runway in terms of showing history because they need the post-transaction to be incredibly successful. And ironically, human resources is left out of that conversation until they get to the due diligence phase. And then they're brought in to talk about things like culture amalgamation and what will our benefits look like when we align and how will the compensation structures um, change. And they come in for almost the afterthought of the conversation and true valuation and building valuation really happens on the front end. And you can show a long trajectory of success and quite frankly, failures and your ability to be agile and correct those and continue on and be successful. So they need to have a little bit of a, um, you know, vetting process almost to make sure you've fallen down and gotten back up. Got it. And so as we've been building up to the topic that we're going to discuss today, all of our listeners are now dying to know, especially our HR leaders who are responsible for creating and executing on the strategy of employer brand. How does the employer brand directly tie into increasing the business valuation? What does that look like? So from an employer brand perspective, you know, when you look at valuation and really what a buyer is buying and Keep in mind, you know, on this, on the person who's purchasing, their job is really to get it for the best price they can get it, right? And your job as the owner and as the company and the HR leaders is to build as much value as you can so that you are getting top dollar and or whatever the transaction and result you're looking for happens for you. And so is this, it's this interesting 
push and pull event that happens during the negotiation process. Now, from a brand perspective, the more you can do to build, um, again, depending on the reason for the transaction. So if they're purchasing you because of your intellectual capital, um, meaning your people who actually understand the nuts and bolts of your organization, they understand the intellectual property, they understand um, you know, maybe the technology piece, whatever that might be, then that has a higher valuation to it than it would for somebody, for instance, who's just buying uh, your company because maybe they want to book a business or for whatever a non um, people related purchase might look like. So from an employment brand perspective, when people play such a vital role in the success of the transaction and then its survivability after post transaction, the employment brand really helps you retain uh, your employees all the way through because when you have built a solid employment brand, People trust the leadership, they trust the brand that they've been working for, and it helps when it comes to retaining them to pushing through that funnel from a transaction perspective to get to the other side, to actually stick with you. Um, so it sort of helps really, um, even from a culture perspective, to understand early on from, again, from the moment we reach out all the way through the benefits we offer, all of those feel-good things that happen with your employer when you're an employee of your company, that all of those things sort of hold steadfast for you, irrespective of the change management happening at the top. And keeping in mind that the more the track history for the employee, that the employer is able to execute that brand and stick to the value propositions, the more trust they're going to have through big transactions. I mean, employees don't like when you even change a benefit program on them, much less sell a company. So there's a lot of that um, that goes that sort of falls in line on the softer side of the valuation and the softer side of the con business continuity um, as you go through things like transactions for exit or, or acquisition. So as I think through the questions that our potential, our listeners could potentially have for you, the first one that I'm sure people are thinking is, so you're telling me as head of HR of my company that I can directly impact the value of our business based off of the culture that we're creating and our retention, but more importantly, our strategy for attracting and onboarding new talent. Yes. I mean, come on, HR leaders, where are my people? Yes. We absolutely, from an HR leadership standpoint, should be aligning with the business objectives of our companies. And so we have a huge impact when you think about the financials of a company and the people are the revenue drivers of these companies. And we're usually, depending on the industry, your largest um, line item budgets are right up there at the top. So if we have this ability to translate human capital value, especially when speaking to our fellow C-suites for the you know financial guys and the sales guys and the CEOs, we should be partnering with them in an equal manner to show them how people really drive the revenue because the com the most common piece to everybody sitting at the executive table is they all have people on their teams and they are the single largest driving force as to whether or not we are successful or not successful. And so, yes, I would absolutely encourage any HR leader to get themselves to the executive table because that's where you belong. And 
I think we have the highest impact um, and the largest potential to show where we can build value for our companies. We talk to a lot of HR leaders and a lot of them will admit that they perceive themselves and they typically know that the company perceives them as a cost center. And it's really difficult for a lot of HR leaders to really show the ROI of what they're doing. Hence why we help them with data with our, with our <laughs> really? product. What do you know about that, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. But, but the more important thing here from a strategic standpoint is that it sounds like you can potentially help HR leaders unlock a new way to not only show the value that they're providing to the organization, but also communicate the value to potentially get budget or to get buy-in and put forth some of those efforts that they want to put in, but that they might not get the buy-in from the C-suite. So as an HR leader, how do I use this employer brand narrative to really show and communicate the value that I have to the business as an HR leader? Yeah, so fantastic question. Here's what I think HR leaders really are talented at doing and need to give themselves a lot more credit for. So from an employment brand perspective, that is like the softer touch, you know, the softer skill, touchy-feely stuff that a lot that's incredibly difficult to measure when you get to the C-suite table. Now, the data and appropriate data, meaning insightful data that actually helps you drive solid business decisions that then helps you support why you're building the strategy and like how it lands from a human impact, right, is the exact areas where HR leaders need to tie the two to bind. So when you're at the C-suite table, they want to understand the return on investment for how we're tying together our brand. Why are we offering the employee value propositions that we're offering? And when you get to tie data and you get to tie um, the metrics from KPIs, et cetera, whatever measurement you actually use for your company, and you can tie that to what your CFOs need in order to be your largest champion and supports the strategy for the brand that you're trying to achieve, those things come together. So I always align myself with the CFO because they are always going to be the first person that says, what is the return on investment for that? And I need to, for my, if I'm, when I'm consulting with HR leaders and when I'm consulting with CFOs, I often have the collaboration of that conversation of how can I best show you the return on investment? What do we consider the people drivers and the revenue driver metrics to look like that actually give us true insight into really what's driving our business? And so Part of it with the HR leadership team is understanding, you know, everybody at that C-suite table really understands the business, not just the people piece of it that HR understands. You really need to understand the business itself and what drives the business. Everybody in every other vertical at that table understands what drives the business to make money. From a people perspective, HR leaders really need to step to the table with how do people drive also and how do we measure that piece? And then how do we tie it to the brand which supports the strategy 
of why our brand employment brand is what it is. Because if we're able to retain people, uh, attract talent, you know, really help grow our people. um, And even if they go on to do bigger and better things, and that's part of our value proposition, they've outgrown us or whatever it might be good for them. That's part of the natural um, cycle of any employee of any employees turnover sometimes is good. And so looking at data in the context in which it's meant to be used and then also tying it into the strategy for the human impact it has from an employment brand strategy perspective. Nicole, I could talk to you about this all day. (laughs) (laughs) But I have one last question for you. We've talked about a lot today. If there was one thing that you would want all of our HR listeners to remember after listening to this podcast episode, what is it? Oh, man. Well, I think brand strategy is fascinating. Clearly, I'm passionate about it. What I my biggest takeaway, really, when it comes to um, human resources leaders who are climbing to get to the top, my biggest takeaway for you is this. Really, when you're looking for learning opportunities and ways to find your seat at the table, you really need to look at the business objectives of what is happening and how do you best align your employment brand strategy to help drive that business. And so the biggest takeaway is find people who speak that same language and align yourself with those people um, because they are people usually are thrilled to show, to tell you, show you, you know, and be part of however they can, you know, any information they might have in their knowledge. So um, I would highly recommend uh, aligning yourself with the business. And if you don't understand the business, you know, I often see people that um, in human resources that only go to HR updates, they only go to employment law updates. Um, and I would say to you, go learn how to read a budget, go learn how to do marketing and branding. So you understand how to tie your employment brand together. Um, think out, go be a good business entrepreneurial type spirit um, and not just the people part, and then use your skill set from people to tie the, all of those things in together. And you'll be much better um, for it. And so will your company. Nicole, thank you so much for being such an awesome, fun and authentic and educational guest. This has been awesome. Really appreciate you. Can't believe that this 20 minutes flew by so fast and I have so many more questions, but we'll have to wrap it today. But hopefully you will grace us with your presence again and come back for another episode so we can continue the conversation. But thank you so much for being on the Employee Cycle Podcast. Thanks for having me. Have a blessed week, everybody. So, Nicole, where can people find you and BPO Advisory Group online? Oh, so Bruce, I hate to correct you, but we are PBO advisory. PBO, P, PBO. My P is a Paul BO. Yeah, <laughs> so that's okay. <laughs> Listen, happens all the time. I thought I heard it correctly or incorrectly the first round, and then I thought, oh, geez, was that it? Okay, so you can find us at pboadvisory.com. Happy to answer any of your questions. And just so you know, from a consulting perspective, we actually do whole health, um, meaning look at the entire health of the organization. So even though we have an awesome human resources division, um, we really do a, a lot of really cool things from the CFOs to, um, you know, um, the operations piece, et cetera. So we'd love for you guys to check us out. Awesome. And we'll be sure to put all that contact information in the show notes so you can find PBO, 
gmail.com. And so, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Nicole and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, if this is your very first time listening to any of our episodes, but now you're hungry for more, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast players. And last but not least, all you super awesome people and HR leaders out there, please continue to hire, retain, and lead all of your people the best way you can because you know you can't do anything without your people. So thank you so much. Later, kids.